My friends, I can admit to uh, wishing that Holy Mother Church had, Church had picked a different uh, first reading, as the kids would say, awkward. And now, O oh priest, this commandment is for you. If you do not listen, I will send a curse upon you. You have turned aside from the way and have caused many to falter by your instruction. I therefore have made you contemptible and base before all people, since you do not keep my ways. This is awkward, my friends. You know, besides preaching, this was my biggest fear, honestly, that in my brokenness, I would cause people to turn away from the Lord, and that their salvation and my own salvation would then be at risk. That is exactly what God is warning me, all priests, all of us really against today. You know, Vatican II is very clear about the universal call to holiness. No one gets to heaven on the coattails of our priests and bishops. This is very obvious. But priests and bishops do have a particular responsibility, don't we, to teach truth, beauty, and goodness with holiness and with clarity and charity. That is how simple Jewish fishermen, in fact, were able to convert the entire Roman Empire. However, when priests and bishops are not holy, and do not teach with clarity and charity, we bring about a curse instead of a blessing. At the core of doing this well is humility. We see that in the psalmist, we see that throughout the readings. The psalmist is calling us to stop adulting and to be like the children, to be more like children who by nature trust their parents completely. The psalmist is calling us to humility. I love C.S. Lewis's quote here. He says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. The Lord doesn't want us to feel ourselves as, uh, as if we're worthless. No, he just wants us to think more about him and more about the other than we do ourselves. Which brings us to another one of those awkward moments, the gospel. Jesus commands, call no one on earth your father. Awkward moment, isn't it? You all call me father, but it is important to note that this is not about vocabulary. He's not telling us to simply use a different word to describe our male parent. Nor is he telling us to call our priests by another title. This is not our Lord's vocabulary lesson. If it were a vocabulary lesson, then he and the New Testament writers would not have repeatedly used the word father to describe certain men. Jesus himself refers to Father Abraham in the parable of Lazarus the beggar, would he have failed to follow his own commandment? Not likely. St. Paul himself refers to himself as a father to the church in Corinth, and there are so many, many other examples within Holy Scripture. Jesus is not speaking about our word choice in today's gospel. He is warning us about putting our complete faith and trust in anyone other than God, Father God alone. 
You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That was only last week. Our priests, whom we do call Father, and have for centuries, in fact, are deserving of our faith and trust. But we know that they are broken, that I am broken and imperfect. But if our complete faith and trust is in our Heavenly Father, all our heart, soul, and mind, we do not lose our faith when these men, when our priests and bishops disappoint us. Our dads, too, whom we refer to as our fathers, they rightly deserve our love and respect. They deserve our trust. But we know that they, too, are imperfect. Sorry, dads. But if our complete faith and trust is in our Heavenly Father, the imperfection of our earthly fathers do not prevent us from entering into right relationship with the Father that never disappoints our Father God. Which brings us back to that first reading from the book of Malachi. The Lord is commanding his priests to listen to him. And what is he telling us? What is he telling all priests? Well, in part, to be true to the promises of our ordination. You know, diocesan priests make a promise at our ordination, three promises, really. We promise to be men of prayer. It's a mortal sin for me to not pray the liturgy of the hours every single day. We promise to be men of prayer. We promise to be chaste celibates. And we promise obedience to our local bishop and all his successors. Religious orders make additional promises. You know, the, D the uh, Dominicans, the Franciscans, they also promise uh, poverty. They do not own anything themselves. We write the checks out to Father Brian to the religious order, not to Father Brian himself. The community holds all the property. Diocesan priests, though, we do, uh, while you guys pay us, uh, like $30,000 a year, uh, however, I think the ordination rite does imply a certain promise of a life of simplicity. As well as a promise to celebrate the mass, the mass, the sacraments faithfully for the glory of God and the sanctification of his people. To be men of prayer and the word, preaching and teaching, and ultimately to be generous and sacrificial men in praise of God and in love of him and his church. You know, if a priest does all these things to the best of his ability, he ought not worry about being contemptible and base before the people and cursed by the Heavenly Father. You know, there is a sharp contrast in the readings today between how the priests is sometimes lived out and how the Lord desires it to be. Jesus wants religious leaders of his time, the Pharisees and the scribes in this case, and he warns the priests today against placing heavy burdens upon the people without lifting a finger themselves to help them. We ought to be instruments of love and mercy. This is so beautifully contrasted by the example of St. Paul in today's second reading. Treating the people of God with loving care as a mother for her children. He did this with such affection for the people, determined to share not just the gospel, but his very self, even at the cost of toil and drudgery, we read. Working tirelessly, generously to not burden the people, but giving thanks to God for the privilege of such a vocation, unworthily called, 
humbly serving. Such a great example in this extraordinary priest. You know, my friends, I am humbled that you call me Father. You know, not a moment goes by, though, do I not struggle to live this out well. Despite, of course, all my imperfections, I want to be a good father. I want to be a faithful father, one that brings his spiritual children closer to the Lord by trying my best, of course, to be generous, trying to be sacrificial and wise and holy, patient, kind, by trying to be vulnerable at times and always trying to be joyful and peaceful. You know, I'm so thankful to God. I'm so thankful to the people of St. Thomas Becket that I am able to celebrate the sacraments, especially Holy Mass, of course, but also the sacrament of mercy and the confessional and all the sacraments. You know, I'm so thankful for the privilege to have met so many wonderful people here and throughout my time as a priest. In moments of great joy, of course, but also in moments of deep sorrow. Thank you for allowing yourselves to be vulnerable with me in order to find peace and strength through God's grace. While I am certainly imperfect, I stand before God and I stand before all of you and I make a promise. I will tirelessly work every single day to do my best to bring the love and mercy of God to St. Thomas Becket and to the people throughout Reston and beyond. I promise to faithfully and generously bring Jesus to you in the sacraments, in preaching and teaching and in offering uh, charitable service and counsel to those in need. I promise you, I will be a man of prayer. I'll be a man of deep prayer. Of course, faithful to the sacrament, uh, for, to the liturgy of the hours. Of course, it's mortal sin for me to do otherwise, but also to a daily holy hour and to reverent celebration of Holy Mass. Finally, I promise I will not water down the truth, beauty, and goodness of our faith. I will not shy away from difficult topics, important moral issues. There is so much confusion in our world today. You have my promise that I will do my best to speak of these difficult topics with charity and with mercy and to root out my own opinion, giving you only the revealed truth, beauty, and goodness of Jesus Christ and his church. My friends, I believe to the core of my being that this is my vocation, that this is my path, my path to peace and joy. It is my only path to heaven. And by embracing this truth, all the beauty and goodness of our faith as well, even when difficult or poorly taught by your pastor, this is also the only way to peace and joy for you as well. So let's end with some wise words from Dr. Peter Kreeft. He says, we do not need a feel-good church that pats us on the head and makes us feel like saints instead of sinners, because that is not what we are. We do not need a church to tell us where we are right, because we know that already. We need a church to tell us where we are wrong, because that's what we do not know and what we need to know. The obvious example of that principle today, he says, is her teachings on sexual morality. She is the only institution in the world that has not been drowned by the tsunami of the sexual revolution. 
She is only, she is a lifeboat, a Noah's Ark, which is the only ship that stays afloat when the whole world drowns in the flood. Don't ever leave your lifeboat, he says, even when the sailors aren't saints. My friends, let us all lock arms in spiritual battle. Let us all work together to bring about the kingdom. In our families, of course, in all of our friend groups, within our beautiful parish community, throughout Reston and far, far beyond. And may God be praised. Amen.